This is Shaco Art Speak. Hey, welcome to Shaco Art Speak. Hello. <laughs> That's Gareth Blackwell talking, and I'm your host, <laughs> Ryan Leterio. And you you're doing? here for the silent hour, hour, hour. Yeah, this is going to be great. Uh, we'll catch you in an hour. We're just going to sit here quietly. This is my deep radio voice. <laughs> 98 FM. <laughs> now, what's the, uh, what's the, um, uh, in the world? Yeah. I always want to do that voice. Yeah. Transformers. <laughs> Mount up. <laughs> so, um, can you imagine getting paid to do that? I could. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I watched uh, a thing about that and I think it was like, it's the one guy. Yep. And I think that he just kind of did it once. Maybe he does it a few other times. Yeah. But I think he does it fewer times than we hear it. He's the dude who does Optimus Prime, though. Oh, you mean the in-the-world guy? Yeah, the in-the-world guy. Yeah. Like, one man. One man. But he's just getting royalties on that. Dude, yeah. I I mean, mean, I wish... The 90s were prime for that. Yep. 100%. Optimus Prime. Every single movie was that guy. Yep. The land is everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow. 100%. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, it made total sense. You know what the film's about. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So, what are we talking about today? Well, yeah, uh, what are we talking? We about? have, we have, uh, you know, because we're, you know, like like all of us, <laughs> unless you're a bot. By the way, shout out to the bots that actually like listen to our podcast. Yeah, hold them uh, down for the digital folks. Go AI. Yeah, one zero zero one one zero zero one zero one zero one zero one zero. But for all the real people, um, we are always uh, appreciative of your so you much know, listenership, and we've been. You know, we've been moving through this kind of rethink series, and we we're going to be getting back to the rethink series coming soon. Or ne- I mean, just a teaser of a trailer of coming attractions. The next rethink we do will be on the topic of suffering, um, which we're not <laughs> yeah. doing now. So, no. um, so you'll have to wait uh, with anticipation as we we kind of really cook that one and work it through. Yeah. Um, so what we're doing now is. Uh, life happens. You know, we're, we really are real people and, and um, wonderful yes. things happen. And so uh, Dr. Blackwell and yes. his, is they're welcoming a new addition into their family. And not by new addition, I don't mean Bobby Brown or Ralph Tresvant from new addition. No, they never called back. They never called back, but actually a, a, a new baby. Yes. So we figured, you know, it's going to have a little bit of a potential break in our, our recording. We're going to try to uh, work through it, but um, it's also a great time to celebrate and, and just be real. And we thought, Thank you know you. what, it's a it's a good, this might be a good kind of interesting little topic because both of us have children. And I know many of our, our listeners do, and we've had exhibiting artists. And, and oddly enough, many of our listeners were also children before. Yeah. And here's what I'd say. If you don't have kids, there's no, it's not a better or worse um, no, conversation or excluded or included conversation. Um, because if we are really as diverse and caring as we say that we are, we will be around kids. And we'll be around people with kids and it's good. Um, the, like, let me put it this way. The amount of people I've lived with in my life that have talked about their dogs as though they were kids mm-hmm. while never letting me talk about the fact that I actually have a kid, but are always trying to remind me that their dog is like my kid. You, you know, there's a, there's a point where you kind of go, well, let's talk about that. You know, that kids are so, you know, <laughs> that's tangential. But what, what I'm really getting at is um, it's worth acknowledging and number two, it, it actually um, is opti- oftentimes seen as something that prohibits, uh, you know, being creative and being productive. And, and yeah. then certainly there is difficult times. My wife and I can attest to that. Yes. But um, uh, I wouldn't trade it for a myriad of possible reasons. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, we just want to kick that, kick that around a little bit. Like, you know, why in the world have another kid, Gareth? 
<laughs> and, and then how is that going to affect I mean, Shaco art space? I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, it's so I'll answer the second question first. Uh, how does it affect Shaco art space? In a lot of ways, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, because it doesn't, you know, another kid doesn't change my resolve to be a part of something I believe in. Right. Um, but, but in a way, in a good way, it does. Um, and we can get into that a little later. But uh, I don't know. I think when we talk about, you know, why have another kid? Uh, there was a time when my wife and I were out together and um i was holding uh, my son and she was holding our daughter and uh i just leaned over to her and i said i don't feel like everybody's here and like that was the truth of it it just did like felt like somebody was missing mm-hmm. um i relate to that feeling and that was the the kind of the the sort of start of the conversation that went on for a while uh between the two of us about like when it might feel right to have another kid but um I mean, it's the same, and I, and I don't want to. I don't want to equivocate the two because they're not equal, um, but it, it's 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 comparable um, to the feelings I have when I have an idea for a, a piece I want to create or a thing I want to make in my mind, mm-hmm. where like the, these things feel like they should exist in the world mm-hmm. and they don't. So there's a there's a there's a bit of a of an emptiness mm-hmm. that's there. It's like a phantom limb for yeah, a thing totally. that didn't that doesn't yet exist. So it's like, and then that becomes super mysterious because you're like, how could I how could I want for something that that you know yep. in such a particularized way? You know where you where you almost sense the uh, the absence of a presence that you haven't felt yet. Yes, so much, and you know, and and again, that's why I say it's kind of comparable to like the process of making when mm-hmm. you have this kind of vague idea that oh, this is a thing that deserves to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, I want to struggle through the making process, through the bringing it to life, through the everything. Um, that that at least the feeling part. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels feels pretty comparable. Yeah. Um, to me, I mean, there there's similar experiences. Uh, the rest of it is very different, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the most part, most yeah. of it's very different. But it is. Um, you know, I was in a. I'd say that I listened. I was in a a meeting, let's I'll keep it unspecific, but um, something that came up in the meeting was, and it was pertaining to like, you know, I teach at a university as you do, as do you. And I'm sure there are folks listening that do. And one of the statistics on um, like the eminent threats to colleges you know, with education is, you know, there's, there's um, accessibility uh, resources, financial, the cost for, um, investment is, you know, is the rising costs, you know, return of invest, return on investment. And, yes. you know, there's a whole, there's, there's a whole, you know, slew of discussions that are at your front door. It's like a reckoning and COVID kind of brought the reckoning in a lot of ways. But, um, one of the things that came out in the wash of this kind of actually really serious conversation was, um, some really interesting statistics on there being a huge drop coming in 2025. Mm-hmm. Because the the amount of people having children has decreased so much so that there's going to be an enormous lack of people to even recruit into colleges. Yeah. Which has implications for everything else as well. I was going to say, I mean, yeah. which is, you know, problematic for museums, for galleries, for everything. Just the, the idea yeah. of making yeah. uh, how the import yeah. of culture. Sustaining economies, yeah. your everything. inflation if you want, and then your expansion retraction kind of thing. and. You know, so um, just an interesting statistic, and and I don't know if um, I don't I don't think you instrumentalize people to f- to create 
the kind of manpower and capital to sustain an institution that maybe institutions that maybe need to rethink themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying that it was just more the brute fact of a recognition of, of, of size, seismic changes. And, and the reason why I bring that up is for, for a couple of us, we're, we're really, you know, countercultural in many ways because we, we have kids. Um, but, um, the interesting thing for me, and I think you'll test the same is, um, I, and I've said it in the past, but I get more, I do more now with kids than I did when I was single. Oh yeah. So I do more now being married with kids and, and my wife could say the same thing. And, um, somehow, you know, like I had to take my son to the doctors and the, one of the nurses said, this is, this is on Tuesday. Hey, uh, how many do you have? I said three. And she said, Oh, bless your heart. And I said, no, it's great. I was like, not for a second. Am I going to allow, allow that idea right. to be in the room? Because it's not true, and at least in my case. Yeah, could you imagine somebody saying that about friends? Yeah. You're like, how many good friends do you have? I have three. Oh, oh bless your heart. It must be such a How do you do it? How do you do it? How yeah, do you deal with exactly. It? My children are not, are not an impediment to my time or, um, or, 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 or exist in a way that denies me uh, the real things I want to do. Actually, they're, they're, they're the real people I want to be around in many ways, and they want to be around all the stuff we're doing. And they're, <laughs> yeah. they're enveloped into this kind of cultural vision that um, that where they have, I think, and you, you can get at this, they have eminent import now as far as uh, meaning. And they also, that is all trend, uh, transformative and uh, scaffolded into the future generation things. So like we talk about all these social issues and how we change that. Some of that happens through having families that actually grasp the way things really need to be in terms of the totality of, of um, all of it. My mm-hmm. kids are, as are your kids, are savvy when it comes to art. Yeah, they're savvy when it comes to loving neighbors. I mean, they're savvy when it comes to um, equality. Uh, they're they're loving. Uh, they give big hugs. Uh, they they are friend builders. They're creative. They're entrepreneurial, and they're sacrificial. Actually, they're very very uh, generous, mm-hmm. and um, and their hearts are big for for people and for brokenness. So it's like, well, how did all that happen? Well, because mom and dad are trying their best to care about those things as well and invite them in. So what kind of person does that become? Like what, what kinds of kids do our kids become as adults? Because they're in, they're in galleries, they're in, you know, they're in discussions around the table with teams of people talking about curating, right? Like, and it's all normalized for them. So they're, they're seeing diversity in the room that's normalized for them. They're not, what I mean by that is they're not having, like they're, they're um, just by being in the room, they're automatically starting at a different point. Uh-huh. and their starting assumptions are different and, and in many ways I think are better. And so I can only imagine in the best case what, you know, there's no guarantees, but in the best case, um, my do- I've said this a billion times, my do- I think all of my kids without question draw better than I did at any of their ages, Yeah, yeah. Um, which is not me gassing them and that's not me being fake, fakely humil- humble. And I was always encouraged that I was a good drawer. So I see them and I'm like, Holy smokes. And it's not like I draw with them a lot, to be honest with you. They're mm-hmm. just around. So having said that, then there's my daughter Ivory, who's like, just keeps, she just has like another level of tenacity. So I, I told her, I was like, you, you're without question better than I was. And she just laughs so hard. She loves that. She's like, oh, I'm better than you, dad. She thinks it's funny. <laughs> and then, um, but you know, I, I'm more inclined to think it's very possible that she could be an incredible, mm-hmm. like, like illustrator or, you know, something like that. And, um, I'm already like eager for that. I'm like eager for, you know, I'm, I'm cool with taking a big backseat 
mm-hmm. in my own experience and dreams as an artist because there's something satisfying about the way that that your dream river makes a fork in the road and now the next river is someone else's that comes from you and your family. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful, um, it's enticing and it factors into the way you foster now. So I think without kids, it's hard to know how to do that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I think of to place yourself like my life growing up. Um, and my parents are both big music folks. Um, even described as musicians. Um, and the, uh, the things that we were surrounded with, um, were very different than a lot of my friends. So, um, you know, I remember my dad had this collection of like small kind of marble busts of a bunch of classical composers, but he also had a ton of, um, other, uh, like a lot of the music that we were surrounded with was like very much early American. Uh, so we had, you know, this folk and jazz and blues and like all the stuff, that's, you know, innately American music. Um, and so it's just this wide sea of all of this. And so there's like this, this feeling of almost like a soundtrack throughout my childhood. Um, that makes me appreciate music in a different way than some, mm-hmm. some of my closest friends. Um, and they were always very keen on getting us into art museums and libraries and it, it shaped the way that we cared about things in the world. Mm-hmm. But I think even more than that, it, it, it shaped the way that we expected the world to be. Mm-hmm. So when it didn't line up with that, there was an uncomfortableness there that we wanted to shake. Yeah. I want the same for my kids. I want their world to be, I want, I want the world, a world that is uh, rife with art and music and community and good food mm-hmm. to not be an exceptional place. Mm-hmm. I want it to be that that's the given, right? That a time with good food and good art isn't an exceptional experience or um, an experience that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. But instead, it is the normalcy of it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I want that. I don't want that because I want those things to become mundane. Mm-hmm. I want it because that that's kind of the ebb and flow of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as my wife and I are building a house together, um, you know, with what we put in it and what we, uh, what experiences we have with our kids, the way that we build a home that way, um, we want those things to be everyday objects, everyday occurrences. Yeah. Um, just to be normal. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting. So there's a couple of things. One is, um, so I'm going to make a point to make a point, which is what I habitually do. <laughs> but <laughs> go ahead to make fun of myself. Um, so when you, if you look at the hit, so you you know if you have your history, you look at your arch- architectural kind of makeup um, for cathedrals. Let's say, you know, going Renaissance back, um, galleries were actually joined to church cathedrals yeah. so there are particular sections of the church where relics or artifacts were cared for and so curators were the cultural caregivers for the galleries in in the architectural makeup of the church building that's where that's where a curator comes from in the historical sense before we get to like kind of like, like what i do or what yeah, yeah. we think of so Curators were, and, and I do think I, I've, I've given talks on curation, and I love the idea that the culture, culture care, give, culture caregiver mm-hmm. carries out into the world as an idea because that's not always how we think about right. um, curators. But um, and so just to kind of give historical context, so like the curator was an, uh, you know embedded into a larger metaphysic, and mm-hmm. you know like depending on the cathedrals, like a kind of a theology of 
of, you know, whatever the given stated belief is in the life and it informs everything that's made and so on. So there's a a kind of a, you know, whether one agrees with it or not, there's a comprehensive manner to this, which holistic. Yeah. Holistic that that demands a culture caregiver, Mm -hmm. which I just think is interesting as as an idea and a milieu. And and there's such a rich discussion there um, to be had now. So to the discussion about the home, well, um, in, and I'm going to make the point by asking folks to go back and consider this by listening to a previous podcast. But um, parents, in some ways, are the first culture caregiver, artist encounter, or, cur- or, or parents are the first curator that artists encounter, as in young artists that are children. Right. So, um, culture caregiver in the home. Um, related to the artist and, and how you know that's irrefutable. Because if you were to go back and listen to every episode that we've had uh, where we've interviewed somebody and they've given their origin story, I'd say it's like 95% reference parents Oh yeah, as the key catalyst for uh, initiating a infused uh, um, kind of approval or affirmation. Mm-hmm. Maybe not all of the way through the growth, but they're at the they're at the um, the forefront of the incipient level, the initiating level of it. And they're in 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 most people we we reflect on this intuitively. Like my mom, when I was two and three years old, when you know we lived in a rough environment where stepdad was pretty terrible and tough, and and so we'd have to hide from him, and sometimes we'd lock ourselves in a room, and my mom would draw with me, and yeah. and like it was it was ordering the home around this activity and it was instilling in me uh, a deeper connection to something that I'm still doing. And I'm talking on the airwaves about it to other people, right? It's a credible thought, but I can go all the way back to my mom being that first uh, culture caregiver curator, um, prioritizing particular things uh, in the context of this, this environment I'm, I'm occupying, I'm living in to the exclusion of other things. Now my home was home life was pretty rough, but then it goes to the point that, that this stuck out as something that preserved me. So it served as a pre- preservative. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, why does that matter? Well, um, look at you now with these kids coming on the legacy of your parents in mm-hmm. music, right? Yeah. So, so these are the way ideas um, um, carry forward in either detrimental or significantly improved ways. Mm-hmm. And so the co- reason why I think this is a great conversation to, to poke at is because so much of our emphasis on what changes society is not through the, through the, um, the loving gathering up of families and children and, and next generational stuff because it requires you to not think about yourself. Mm-hmm. And kids will cause you to do that, but you, you'll love them uh, in ways that you can't until they're there. Mm-hmm. And then you'll find that um, your passions are clarified mm-hmm. as you take on the responsibility of caring for other people. So you won't, yeah. you won't stop. It just, so here, here's, if I, I'll say one more thing and I'll, so here, here, it won't stop, but it'll have to change. But here's the thing, maybe it should, because has, has what we've been doing wor- working? Has it worked? Doesn't seem so. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like, uh, where we're at right now is necessarily working for folks. So here's why I say that. There's so many artists that are parents, and we don't celebrate it enough. 
And again, I've been yeah. I was single a lot long before I, I got to the game late. Mm-hmm. So I'm not anti single. I'm not anti, you know, I understand like people make choices, they don't have kids. But um for those of you that are listening that do have kids, for those of you that are listening that do, do not downplay or undervalue being a mom or a dad. Yeah. Don't make it less than being an artist. Mm. Be the whole person you are and let people deal with the totality of it and let them see the interplay between the fact that you are a creative being, serious about your practice, exhibiting in galleries, and you actually have the capacity to love older people, people the same age as you, and younger people and people that you've chosen to bring into the world yourself. And why that matters is that's real diversity. That's range and age diversity. And that kind of love is hard to deny when you see it. Yeah. It has an effect on people and it creates an associated uh, connection to the arts. Mm-hmm. And when people see that, it becomes hosp- it's hospitable, it's inviting, and it doesn't violate depth. Um, one of my favorite stories we ever had um, in the galleries is, uh, and I've said it in the past, but you know, it's somewhere on our, our Instagram page, we had um, a sister who's going to um, Virginia Union as a, uh, to study art education. And, you know, um, Virginia is a historic, historically uh, black college. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of our artists, I think it was Nikki Painter, was giving a talk. And she brought her little brother who said he wants to be an artist. He was seven years old. A uh, little African-American boy, soup, just super on point. And they're excited. He's seeing all the work and he's loving it. And um, we're doing the artist talk. And uh, he says, I got a question. He's in a, in a room full of adults. And he asked, he asked Nikki, he said, I got a question. And she said, what's your question? And he goes, well, and he walks super slow to her, like in a movie. It was nuts. I mean, I've said this before, but it was nuts. And he just goes, well, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. I think your paintings are amazing. And then he just hugged her. Yeah. And it was like the most, re- it was like you're talking about like all the stuff we try to like deliberate and it's important to do that. And yet here's this ecosystem that affords that opportunity. You think that kid's going to forget that? I hope not. I don't, I hope not. I don't think so. I think, I think, um, uh, the, to, cause, cause to more, to, the, to, to your point, the more that that stuff happens, the more available it is, the more transformational it is, the more normalized it is, the less of a big deal it is. Mm-hmm. And the more we can get on with the business of, of working out of the benefits of all the things we say we care about. Yeah. But it has to start with uh, the youth and, 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 and both those that need love that are um, not our direct family, mm-hmm. uh, but also in the, we need a vision for, for why family matters still. Mm-hmm. I know that people think that sounds terribly conservative and all these things, but it's and maybe a little bit um, biased to the fact that I have kids, but I'm seeing how much transformation can happen uh, when you're, sacrificing a little bit for the greater good even by caring for and raising families yeah i mean you know you you definitely talking about the way that that kids um kids grow up into adults they become the next generation you know there's a lot of uh kind of uh like um future planning that can be done with kids right Mm -hmm. where it's like if these are the good things then we want to instill them in kids and we want them to grow up into the things that are good so they can be adults that do those things, you know, in, in, in just and kind and beneficial ways to society. But more than that, like kids have a very fantastic kind of transformational power with adults. 
I mean, yes, you know, uh, the other side of the story is I'm sure that Nikki will never forget mm-hmm. that interaction with that kid. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause it, like that would stand out. Yes. And it's, um, you know, I think that we, we have, and we talked about this in past episodes about, you know, rethinking the world or rethinking phenomena. There is such a rich world out there that we have a tendency to get a little blunted mm-hmm. to it. Yep. You know, and I think about, you were talking earlier, and one of the things I thought about is like uh, like James Terrell's work, um, mm-hmm. like with Sky Window and stuff like that. Like, like why why is that something that people even like? Mm-hmm. Like, why do they care about uh, going into a little bunker and looking up through the ceiling at a square and just seeing the sky pass by? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why would you sit there? Why would that be a, a meditative space? Why would it be a place that you can come I mean, you can look out a window. You yeah. can just go outside, and yet there's something magical about that and experience. I, and there's something also about the constraints that are applied mm-hmm. that the work itself is actually a work moving, moving you to a place where you're constrained to focus and see, mm-hmm. which is something we're terrible at. Yeah. I mean, just across the board. Like, yeah. I'm not good at it uh, as a society. I, I wasn't going to say anything, dude, but yeah, I can agree with that. <laughs> just want to let you know you're not yeah. good at focusing. Yeah. So the, um, the whole, like, the whole thing is the, the hope I would think would be is once you leave that little space mm-hmm. and you go out and you're just like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. look at all the sky to look at. Look at all this stuff. There's a bit more that kind of helps and sits there. And that's one thing that I've loved about having kids. Um, I would not be the maker I am mm-hmm. if I didn't have kids. Yep. And that's not to say I wouldn't be a good maker, but it, they have definitely affected and some of that is because they've constrained me. They've stopped me wasting time because I just don't have it. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's uh, no, things are full. Yeah. And then there's joy and satisfaction in your relationships with them that is not bore out on your art. So now your art's not a task with me. Right. And then, and then I'll be honest with you. Like my kids, you know, like kids do think that I'm the best mm-hmm. and um, you gotta live up to it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're a kid and you're in a tough spot, you wish you had some affirmation mm-hmm. and you don't get it there's something redemptive about kids that just love you, you yeah. know, and, and you love them. And, um, there's a, a relative purity to it, if you will, mm-hmm. that, uh, is unmistakable and different and you can't know it until you have it, you know? And so, and so that's the other thing is I think why I talk like this matters is because not everybody's going to have kids, mm-hmm. but you should know some people that do. And, um, yeah. and we got to do a better job of not shaming and creating class systems. Um, you know, like it's kind of like it's kind of like you know demanding everybody to think exactly the same way, mm-hmm. which is a kind of classist thing. Yeah, it's like if you're not privy to the all the rhetoric and all the ideas, um, that's a privilege that comes from somewhere. So if you're like an academic and you're very progressive in your thinking, but um, you're demanding someone who's uh, impoverished and in a different part of the maybe a rural part of the state or, or something like that, and you're actually defaulting to a kind of an, like an imperialistic classicism. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're expecting them to have equal access to all the things that you have while you're talking about equal access and why it's not available. Mm-hmm. So like there, there's, a, there's um, ways that we become elitist without thinking that we are. Yeah. And, uh, and we do it a lot of times. I've seen it. I've seen artists not get shows after it was discovered that uh, they were pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it's like what somehow the work's not good anymore, and it and it, it proves that there's an, a, a distrust in the art that that is filled by uh, the specificity of the artist, mm-hmm. and it's like, um, but no one wants to acknowledge that. So you're so it's a, a shenanigan sometimes. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, I'm just at a point where I love art, 
I don't love shenanigans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, like, like I don't love I, as dehumanizing and in a world full of problems, um, we need to uh, undo these, you know? And, and um, I will say this, my only regret with kids is not having them sooner. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's my only regret. Well, I will say one thing. I mean, like my kids are constantly shaming me in like the creative and making department. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like every, every spare moment it's, I mean, my daughter the other day pulled out a, a cereal box from the recycling bag, tore it open so that she could use the inside of it to draw a portrait of our family. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, she's like, she was sitting there. She had 15, 20 minutes. And so what'd she do? She takes something that's headed for the trash. She turns into something that's really cool. And she sits down at lunch and tells us this story about like, this is why I drew our family this way. So are these like fantastical creatures as a family. And I'm like, what did I do this morning? Mm -hmm. You know, when's the last time I did something like Drink kind of, coffee? You know, yeah, fun, creative, makerly, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think it's great. Like the things they build, like it's such a it's such a core competency of mm -hmm. being a child, or mm -hmm. it should be, yeah. right? That you look at them and you're just like, man, y'all are like constantly if, if making. Parents is parents in schools stop anointing the one kid who's good at it, yeah. like when they turn four mm -hmm. and continue to uh head 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 off these issues, like address them head on, then you wouldn't lose so many people because uh, adults forget how to imagine when they mm -hmm. become adults. We talked about imagination and play and all that stuff. So we forget all that, but it's also reinforced by the scaffolding we create in society. We, we uh, uh, partition people off because they don't all draw the same way. Yeah. You know, I got privileged because I could draw more, more towards the end of realism, but you know, um, I wasn't the only creative kid in the room. Um, and I wasn't the best realistic drawer in the room, you know, for a large percentage of my early life, but, you know, and I, I had a, you know, a really positive uh, reinforcing experience when it came to most of my teachers in, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But um, but there's a lot of ignorance there. And so um, the more that that's fostered in the home, the, the more resilient it is when it gets out of the culture. Because here's, here's the thing. Every artist that I know has had potent experiences in their early childhood that they reference and are still trying to reconcile with. So doesn't that tell you that those first several years are critical to the production of the kind of person that we want to be or see and have as neighbors? So wouldn't you need to be the kind of person that offers the, a rich potency for your own children so that knowing that this is utterly impactful? You yeah. see what I'm saying? Like, Because yeah. uh, you, can't, you can't both say, well, I was utterly impacted by all this stuff when I was five. But that um, it doesn't really matter and we don't need to do that for anybody else or I shouldn't extend that forward into someone else. Like it doesn't you can't have it both ways on that. It's contradictory. Yeah. So we know that because, like I said, listen, to you know, Gareth, we talked about this a million times. Like it's why we did it. Mm -hmm. So the truth is why we oftentimes I didn't ask Gareth permission. So I'm hoping he'll forgive me for outing that part of our our. But we we really felt like this was possibly the case, and so we love to ask the origin question yeah. without provoking anyone because we totally. wanted to we wanted to see is our hypothesis true, and it, and at least to the test sampling that we have, um, you know the size of it or whatever versus modest, um, there's a, a huge, in and not always even like in the in like the obviously positive way, but there's a large tie-in to the formation of creativity both for positive and negative reasons, wedded to ch early childhood. Mm -hmm. So yeah. at some point, that can't just be about the arts. It's about a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me to be critical that we're um, cultivating and rich by and loving and 
seeing these things uh, pour out in, in even our most immediate context in our families. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to, you know, wrap things up to kind of go back to that second question from earlier, like how does this impact shock ward space? Well, it does because the more people that uh, can be a part of, you know, this holistic generative vision, um, even though it's one more person that I can bring up uh, in the world uh, with the repetitive pounding of my voice saying, that uh, I do not have to fight for the value of art. It exists regardless of that. Mm-hmm. And that uh, societies are improved by the making and celebrating of beautiful things mm-hmm. and wonderful art. Mm-hmm. Somebody who grows up just knowing that, like, that's just the case, like, that's a plus. Mm-hmm. You know, because the, 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 the mission of Shocker Art Space is not, it's not some, like, myopic, like, stupid, pointless six-month mission, mm-hmm. right? It, it's a thing where it's like, well, at the heart of it, what is it? It's to really, like, embolden what already is true. Mm-hmm. It's to show the world that that's actually what it is, that the yeah. people who make art are important, the art they make is important, the lives they live are important, um, that we can't live a life without these things. Mm-hmm. So even just the, I mean, it's it's no, it's no small thing to say one more person in the world who uh, I can help grow up. Mm-hmm knowing that that is actually true and good. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a net positive, man. Yeah, yeah. kind of a, if I were to even just to say like how thorough that is, I mean, I did, I had the privilege of being a sort of visiting art uh, art critique person for a group of um, el- elderly women and um, who'd been making for years. This group had been around for 25 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, I, w- I would run this sentiment all the way through to the the ends of our, our lifetime in saying that, um, our art is not just for the youth or the hip middle crowd. It's for, uh, it's for the children and it's for, uh, where if we're maybe fortunate enough, we're, we're all headed, which is to be elderly. And, and mm-hmm. interestingly enough, um, the humanization of every phase of life, um, is, uh, f- brought forward in some part having to do with human relationship and creativity. Yeah. So, um, it's no small thing. And, uh, I do think, I mean, so maybe this is a secretly, if this is really a rethink, I don't know, but it needs to be rethought. It needs yeah. to, we, it's time for us to um, take stock of what hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I would venture to say maybe for another time that there's probably a correlation here with this and anxiety. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're meant to, let me say this, we're, I think we're meant to relate and, um, and our, our attention is best focused when it's on people. Mm-hmm. And because we spend so much time where people are dehumanized, we have more ADD than we've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And some of that has to do with the kinds of things we're giving our attention to. Flickering lights, quick scrolls, narr- fixed narratives. Like th- there's uh, not a demand on your, uh, the depth of your, um, your presence and your, your conscious mind and your awareness. And um, so then it comes to relating to people and we can't do it. Uh, we can't focus on them. We, we're, we, we can't look at them because they're not a screen. So, um, I mean, gosh, there's so much folded into this that I could go into, but, um, at the end of it, this is all provoked by you bringing a lovely, wonderful person into the world. Your wife, Callie, actually, yeah. you, you're just there kind of in the background, but I'm heavy support. <laughs> you're heavy support. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a good thing and we're excited about it and figured it's, we gotta, we want to celebrate it. Yeah. Be a little, beautiful little work of art coming into play. And, uh, Super excited to meet her. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, Gareth, for uh, I mean, another I'm, episode. I'm 
perfectly happy to say you're welcome. Okay. <laughs> and we'll we'll see. We you know consider this talk. I know it's a little curveball-y, maybe not, but really think on it. Um, and uh, think of it as an invitation. Definitely. Yep. And as always, like we like to say, we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much. You're a fantastic audience, and we will catch you next time. Bye. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.